0: I'd like you to take your Bibles if you would, and let's go ahead by turning to the book of Proverbs, and we'll begin by reading a few verses out of the book of Proverbs in uh, Proverbs chapter 3. And last week we looked at the value of experience, and I want to kind of add to that here uh, this morning as I consider some thoughts on the value of wisdom and experience, of both wisdom and experience. And uh, we can learn a lot of things from the wisdom of God and by the experience that we uh, gain from maybe other people or things that happen to us in life. And so I'd like to read this to begin with Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 1. Proverbs 4 and uh, verse number 1, we'll read down to verse number 11. Hear ye, children, the instruction of a father, and intend to know understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth, forsake her not. She shall preserve thee, love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee, and she shall bring thee to honor. When thou dost embrace her, she shall give to thy head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and thy years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in the right path. This morning I want to look at this thought, the value of both wisdom and experience. So let's pray as we consider this thought here today. Father, we do thank you again for this chance and this time that we can meet. Thank you again for this time that we can look at the Word of God and, and look at both the, the subject of wisdom and experience. And as we do here this morning, I pray, Lord, that we could gain wisdom and we can gain experience that we need to do those things that are pleasing in your, in your sight. Help us, Lord, to do these things by your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, we find here in the book of Proverbs here, it mentions there in Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 1, uh, this, the writer of Proverbs, which is Solomon, talking about being instructed of his father and uh, things that he had learned from his father. It mentions there in verse number uh, 4, it says, He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. And so we certainly can learn from other people and we can gain wisdom from our parents. Uh, We find there in verse number 7 that he mentions here uh, to uh, us in this passage of Scripture, Solomon does. He says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and with all that getting, get understanding So it's important for us to gain the wisdom of God, to gain wisdom in life, which is the right uh, use of knowledge, and and get these things to be a help uh, to us. It mentions to exalt wisdom, verse number 8. It mentions in verse number 8, the last part, to embrace wisdom. And so again, wisdom is a good thing. And so to value wisdom, it is very valuable. It's the principal thing. But yet it says here in verse number 11, and again, I just want to point this out, before we get further into the message, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom, I have led thee in the right path. And so the writer writes here, being taught in the way of wisdom, and then being led in the right paths. Again, I believe that again, that couples both wisdom and experience. This son learned wisdom, but he also was led in wisdom. And so I see both things here, wisdom and experience, being coupled to give a person uh, an opportunity to be in the right path. In life, we are taught wisdom through largely instruction. And again, I I think that to be true to a large extent, but also we learn wisdom sometimes through experience. Real-life experience gives us wisdom, or the knowledge on how to do something that's right. Driving in the winter, for Example is an experience in North Dakota, especially when it's icy. And uh, again, it's one thing to talk about driving on ice, it's another thing to be the driver driving on ice or driving on snow. And so you can talk about, hey, you need to do this, be cautious when it comes to driving on snow or ice, but maybe the first time you turn your vehicle around backwards, like I did, maybe you won't ever do that in your life, but maybe the first time you turn around back or your, your vehicle backward in your life because The vehicle spins out of control, not by maybe what you were doing, what you are driving, but just by the ability of you maybe thinking, you know, maybe I should slow down here. And you decide, hey, I'm going to hit the brakes. And you hit the brakes, and guess what? If your car is like some cars, you might spin all the way around just by just simply driving straight ahead on ice. And so someone might say it's dangerous when it comes to ice. I'm never going to drive a car because I might have to drive on ice. I don't know if you're going to be able to do that, but again... Nonetheless, you learn through experience. Driving a stick shift, I experienced that in my early 20s. My wife here taught me how to drive a stick. And uh, anyways, not everybody is able to drive a stick. Any, And you guys, if I, just, if I parked a vehicle outside the church today and I said, here's a stick shift vehicle and you've got to drive that home, you don't get to drive your automatic anymore. Uh, how many of you would be able to drive home? Some of you would say, well... Uh, that'd be kind of a trick for me. I've never done that. I mean, I've seen people, I've, I may have played a video game where it talks about that first and second, third, fourth gear, and then reverses back here. But if you haven't done that, it's hard to drive without some kind of experience. Again, experience, again, is a good teacher. And we are trained a lot of the, by uh, experience. Uh, we learned some things last week, again, from the scriptures when it comes to experience. Let's turn back to their uh, Genesis chapter 30, Laban learned by experience, and it's good for us to learn some things by experience. That doesn't mean you have to be someone who uh, experiments. I just want to mention that. Experiments. You know, someone says, well, 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 children or whatever need to experiment when it comes to a lot of different things. They need to experiment when it comes to drugs or whatever it might be or immoral behavior. Well, I'm just saying, don't experience things thinking you have to experience them uh, to know them or to understand what may be an issue with them. Uh, Genesis chapter 30, in uh, verse number 25, we learn here, and I'm going to read through this passage again here this morning, just as a reminder here, Laban learned from experience that God blesses others through other people. And uh, we see this in verse number 25, it says, and following, it says, And it came to pass when Rachel had borne Joseph that Jacob said unto Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own country and to my... Uh, country, give me my wives and my children for whom I have served and let me go for thou knowest my service, which I have done unto thee. And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry or stay, for I have learned from experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. And he said, appoint me thy wages and I will give it. And he said unto him, thou knowest how I have served thee and how thy cattle was with me. For it was little which thou hast before I came, and has increased to a multitude, and the Lord has blessed thee since my coming. And now, when when shall I provide for my own house? And Laban learned from experience that, again, Jacob being with him, that he was blessed with his presence and with his work, his diligence. And the diligence of Jacob, Jacob's tender care of the shepherd and also his diligent care of the sheep, the shepherd and all the different kinds of cattle there allowed for him to experience the blessings of God through the blessings of another person. We also looked at Joseph. And again, I'm not going to consider him so much here as we talk about experience. But Joseph learned from experience that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Joseph was laid on with many different difficulties and experiences in life, being again forsaken as a, as a son and a brother, sold into slavery, being wrongly in prison, he ended up in a place where he could still bless his brothers and his fathers and the father in the end. Although the experiences of life were hard and not easy for uh, Joseph to experience, they brought him to a place where he could be a blessing to other people and also to a place where all things did work together that allowed him to do good to other people. We also learned from the prodigal son there in in the book of Luke that straying again can lead to difficulty in life and that repentance is sweet in the end and so we see the prodigal son see the perils of taking a, a wayward course but yet in the end he looked to God and He looked to his father, and he found life, forgiveness, and pardon as he came to a place of repentance. The Bible says there in Proverbs chapter 3, let's turn back to chapter 4, I keep saying 3, I mean 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 11, it says here, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom, I have led thee in the right paths. Experience is a great teacher. It helps us to gain wisdom. We gain wisdom sometimes through experiences of both joy or sorrow, success, or even failure, pain or pleasure. Good experiences and sometimes bad and tragic experiences. But it's good to learn from what we go through and what we experience. In verse 11, it says there, I taught thee in the way of wisdom. And so he was taught, I believe, of David in the way of wisdom. But he also was led in the right path by his father David. doesn't mean his dad did everything right. It does mean that he led them in the general path of what way to go. Today, as we talk about the value of both wisdom and experience, I want us to take and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, as we consider the fact that even though Psalm was led in the right path, he also went to a position where he wanted to test out life experiences and so we see first of all here this morning as we talk about the value of both wisdom and experience that Solomon learned from experience that you'll never be satisfied with the what the world has to offer he actually learned this on his own as he decided to go out on a quest to see what life was about and we'll look at that here a little bit here this morning let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter one we'll begin in reading uh, part of this, we'll read again just uh, part of Ecclesiastes here, some of the verses here. Let's begin in verse number one. It says, the, uh, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. So again, I believe that identifies who this is. This a Solomon. In verse number 12, it says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel. In Jerusalem, I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven, this sort to that God given to the Son of Man to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done unto the, under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting uh, cannot be numbered. I commune with my heart, saying, Lo, I am come to a great estate, and have gotten my more wisdom than all they that were before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart hath great experience of wisdom and knowledge. I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this is vexation of spirit, for much wisdom is grief. and He that increases knowledge increases sorrow. So Solomon experienced some things. Solomon had been given some things. Solomon here in Ecclesiastes, I believe, seeks out the meaning of life to some degrees. He's experienced some things. He's been taught some things by his father. He's been taught some things by life. But he wants to go out and really check these things out. I speak again of Solomon taking, at times, what I call a Solomonic journey through life. Trying to see what life is all about. In verse 13, it talks about this. It says, and I gave my heart to seek and to search out wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. I want to know about all things that people do under heaven. What do people do on this earth? And so he began this journey here and this, again, experiment in life, this searching out what life is about. Let's read through Ecclesiastes 2, verse number 1 through 11. In this pursuit of what life is about, he began to look into what people do and what people live for. I said to my heart, Go to now, I, I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this is also vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? I sought in my heart to give myself to wine, yet equating my heart with wisdom, and to lay hold of folly, till I might see what is good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. And I made... Me great works, and I built me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. I planted me trees, uh, in, in them all kinds of fruit. I made me pools of water uh, to water with the wood that is that bringeth forth trees. I I got me servants and maidens, and had servants born in my house also. I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasures of the kings of the provinces. as I, I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments of all kinds of sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem, and also my wisdom, uh, my wisdom reta- uh, retained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not back from them. I withheld uh, not my heart from any joy... For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of my labor. Then looked at all the works of my hands that I had wrought, and all the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. As we look at Solomon here to begin with, here this morning, as we consider the value of experience, we find out that Solomon found out that. Seeking all these things under the sun brought him to a place where he said, All is vanity and vexation of spirit. What is the, There's no profit under the sun. What did he look into in life? What did he try to experience in life? Well, he experienced many of the things that people seek out in life. Verse number one, it mentions there back in Ecclesiastes 2, verse 1, it says, I, I, I will prove thee with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure. It said, you know, I'll just try the pleasure. I'll try to see what I can follow after as far as pleasure. What can give me pleasure? Food, fun, jokes, jesters, whatever it might be. Whatever could give a person pleasure. So he tried to enjoy the pleasures of life. All the things that could be done in this world. Verse number 10, it says, And whatsoever mine I desired, I uh, I kept not them from me. I withheld not my heart from any joy for my uh, heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was the portion of my labor. And so he tried to find joy in a lot of different stuff. He tried to find joy in a lot of different things under the sun. We not only tried to find out what pleasure was about, and he sought out to what pleasure was about, but he also sought there in verse number 3, he tried to see what uh, wine and alcohol was about. And a lot of people want to see, hey, you know, what is it like to drink into be drunken, and to enjoy alcohol. Well, it says there in verse number three, I sought mine eyes to give myself to wine, yet acquainting myself with wisdom and to lay hold on folly. He tried wine and tried to see what wine was about. In the book of Proverbs, let's just pack up there a little bit, Proverbs chapter 23, he wrote also about wine as far as what God would tell you. Uh, concerning wine. Wine can be very addictive. We find that in Proverbs chapter 23. It can be a terrible thing for, again, people to get involved with. Proverbs 23, verse number uh, 29. It says, Look not upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. See, how would he know that? He must have experienced it. Or he was told by God what it was like. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thy heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, and he that lieth down in the top of a mast. Thou hast stricken me, shalt they say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and felt it not. When, when shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. And so he we went through life and experienced even what alcohol was like and here in the book of proverbs he wrote, writes about alcohol and he explains that it's something again that causes people to speak perverse things it bites like an adder verse number like a snake verse number 32 and it talks about again the drunkenness the hangover the lying down there as a result of it and then being beaten and sick and they seeking it again Proverbs chapter 20, he wrote about wine and alcohol here. In Proverbs chapter 20, it says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Wine wasn't the thing to go after. Drinking wasn't the thing to go after. Alcohol, wine, pleasure, all these things he defined as being empty and not being fulfilling really in life. He also tried there verse number four through verse number six, he tried industry, Ecclesiastes chapter two, verse number four, he said, "I made me great works, I builded me houses, I planted me vineyards, I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water there with the wood that it bringeth forth trees and so it seems like he was even involved at that time in some kind of irrigation where he was able to take water and and water trees with it, and bring forth, again, plentifully from it. He built great works. It doesn't describe your necessarily those works, but the works of Solomon were great works. And so he tried to do a lot of things that a lot of people will seek after, building great works, buildings, works, whatever it be of one kind. He found these things all not satisfying. He also accumulated a bunch of stuff there. He says, I made... I made gardens, I made orchards, I made trees, I made all these different things. In in verse number uh, 8, it says, I gathered me also silver and gold and peculiar treasures of the kings of the providence. I, I got me singers and women singers and the delights of men as musical instruments and all kinds of sorts. So he accumulated all kinds of stuff, all kinds of unique stuff, all kinds of new stuff, all kinds of different stuff. Yet he didn't find these to be fulfilling in the end. He didn't find music to be where it's at. Some people would say, you know, music is is where it's all at. It says, I got me singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts, all sorts of instruments and all kinds of music. And he got all these things and he found them to be empty. He found them to be things that didn't satisfy. I got me all kinds of music. It's like someone trying out all kinds of different music and then finding they don't satisfy or different instruments and they don't satisfy, whatever it might be. He sought out fame there in verse number nine and he found fame in verse number nine. So it was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem and also my wisdom retained with me. And so he was very notable as a person. He was well-known, he had fame, he was greater in, in much notoriety than anybody before him. He was great in wisdom, he was great in fame, and he was great in name. But yet, these didn't satisfy. He tried the earthly joys there, verse number 10, that says, and, I, and whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept them not back from me. I withhold not my heart from any kind of joy, any kind of happiness, anything that would make me happy or make me feel good, I tried all these things. I tried women. I tried wine. I tried working a lot. I tried building great works. He did all these things. And then he said in verse 11, I labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. It's all vain. Living for pleasure, living for alcohol, living for industry, living for accumulation, living to be entertained, he's all left him empty and feeling like life was vain. Under the sun, that is without God. Verse 17, Therefore I hated life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Yea, I hated my labor, which I had taken under the sun, because... I should leave it unto a man that shall be after me, and who knoweth whether he that shall be a wise man or a fool? Yet shall he have rule over all my labor, wherein I have labored, and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. This is all vanity. Under the sun, yes, wise. I mean, getting all these things, all the things that the world would, again, go after and have, and he could have all these things and accumulate these things and gain all these things, and yet he would die one day, it says there, and leave them unto a man that's after me. And what would that man be like? Would he be a fool, or would he be wise? You just don't know who you might leave your stuff to someday. And so he said that was also something that grieved him. I hated the labor. I hated my life, because I was just accumulating these things under the sun. Ecclesiastes chapter 6. We're going to skip through some of this. All is vain. This is one of the conclusions that Solomon came to if one is just living for the things that life has without God and just living for the things that life has to offer in general. He also seen, secondly, that he would one day die. And this, again, concerned him to some degree, thinking about who he would leave all these things to but he came to some conclusions here also in this book, and we're just going to look at a little bit here. Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse number 1 and verse number 2. It says, There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it is common unto man, a man to whom God hath given riches, wealth, and honor, so that he wanteth nothing for his soul of all that is desired, yet God giveth him not power to eat thereof, but a stranger eateth it. This is vanity and an evil disease. If a man beget a hundred children and live many years, so that, uh, that the days of his years be many, and his soul be not filled with good, and also that he have no burial, I say that an all-timely birth is better than he. He that cometh in with vanity and departeth in darkness, his name shall be covered with darkness. Moreover, he that hath not seen the sun nor anything... This is more rest than the other. And though he live a hundred years, twice told, it yet to see no good. Do not all go to one place. He thought to himself, hey, you know, if you look under the sun, everybody just goes to one place. It all ends in death someday. Again, you'll find there someone can get, gain riches and wealth, verse number two, and honor, and yet not have. All that he needs in life. In chapter 7 verse number 1. It says a good name is better. Than precious ointment. and the, the day of death. Than the day of birth. It's better to go to the house of mourning. Than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men. And the living. Will lay it to heart. Verse number 5. It's better to hear the rebuke. Of the wise. For a man to hear the song of. Of fools. And you can read on here, and I'm going to encourage you to read through the book of Ecclesiastes sometime, and you'll see again all the different experiences in life. You'll see again some of the conclusions he made in life. But I'd like you to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, because this is where he comes to, I believe, some grand conclusions, some grand conclusions that both mix the wisdom of God and the experience of life that he went through. Let's begin by reading Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse number 1. Remember now the Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in thee, while the sun, or the light, or the moon, or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, and, and the girders shall cease because they are few. And those that look out the windows will be darkened, and the doors shall be shut in the streets. When the sound of grinding is low, he shall rise up at the voice of a bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. And also when thou shalt be afraid of that which is high, and the fear shall be always, and the alm tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden. And the desire shall fail because man goeth to his long home and the mourners go to the streets. Or even the silver cord be loosened or the golden bowl be broken or the pitcher be broken at the fountains or the wheel be broken in the sisters. Then shall the dust return to the earth that it was and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. So he talks about life there a little bit and he talks about to remember the Creator in the days of thy youth, in verse 1. It goes on and says there, Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, All is vanity, and moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed, and sought out, and set out in order many proverbs. And the preacher sought out to find out acceptable words, that which was written, and was upright, even the words of truth. He goes on and says, The words of the wise are as goat's as nails fastened by the masters of the sending, which are given from one shepherd. And further, by these, my son, be admonished. Of making books there is no end, and of much study is the weariness of the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man, for God shall bring every work into judgment, whether every secret thing, whether it be good, or whether it be evil, He went through all these life experiences and came to the conclusion here that we are to fear God and keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of man. It's not to pursue all these different things in life that one might seek after, fame, fortune, fun, pleasure, but rather to follow God's commandments and to fear the Lord and respect Him. Because one day, verse number 14, God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. kind of ends with a very somber kind of a conclusion that we need to fear God and keep his commandments and do those things which are of value in life. You can read through the Proverbs and it points people in the way of wisdom and the way of right path. Solomon learned these things by Both the experiences that he went through and also by the wisdom of God which was given him. And so there's value both to wisdom and experience. Let's turn to 1 John in the New Testament. The second person i like to consider here and some things he said about life is that of John, the disciple of the Lord in the New Testament. In 1 John chapter 2, we'll just look here very briefly at this, 1 John chapter 2. But John, the apostle, that beloved disciple of the Lord, learned things both from the Lord and also through experience. And he wrote this in 1 John chapter 2, and, uh verse number 15 through verse number 17. He wrote this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. John wrote somewhat in similar words here, but different words. He learned from, again, the Lord. He learned from, again, God Himself, and also from the experiences, I believe, in life that the world passes away and the lust thereof. People pass away, the world passes away, the things of the world pass away. It says that here in verse number 17 The world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. John the Apostle lived some 90 years, we're told. And from the perspective of many, that's a long time. And certainly many people have seen things come and go in life. I think about the last 150 years or so in the area of technology. And again, I'm not even going to touch on all the technology changes, but in the last 150 years, there have been extreme changes in technology. Imagine using a telegraph. I couldn't operate a telegraph. There's no way. I don't have any idea what it even looks like, hardly. Telegraph, a way of communication. The telegraph moved to the telephone. From the telephone, we've seen technologies like the TV. Before that, even, we've seen the typewriter, the printing press. Then along comes the computer. For that, you know, people... Maybe in my parents' generation, they were, again, I guess we, we know about them too, 45s, 8-track tapes, technologies, cassettes, 10 years from now, VHSs. Can you imagine someone, what's a VHS? VHS, what's that stand for? Cassette tapes, VHS, DVDs, CDs. Now some people say, what, CDs? You're still using CDs? Why aren't you using a flash drive? Technology continues. Nations rise, nations fall, people live, people die, ages pass, rulers pass. But it says here in verse number 17, He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Experiences will pass. Trends will pass. Things will pass. And so we are to do the will of God because that's going to abide forever. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 21. One could seek after the world. Love not the world, John said. And Solomon was in so many words saying, hey, don't seek after the word. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 21, it says here, Little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. The Experiences of life, the experiences of those who, again, experience many things in life, would teach you that the world's going to pass away. But he that doeth the will of the Father is going to abide forever. The world's going to pass away. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 21. You no, know, one day this world's going to pass away. Again, someone says, well, how's the world going to pass away? Well, the Bible describes how the world's going to pass away. Revelation 21, verse 1, it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for, his, for her husband, How's the world going to pass away? It says it will pass away there. There's going to be no more sea. But it doesn't tell us there in Revelation chapter 21 how this is going to be. But John wrote about this. Let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. Does the Bible tell us how the world's going to pass away? I mean, it says there in Revelation 21 it is going to pass away. So John certainly knew about this. But the details to some degree are given to us by Peter here in Second Peter chapter 3, in verse number 7. For the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, kept store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that the one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. For the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, some men count slackness, but is suffering. To us who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And the earth also and the works thereof shall be burnt up, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation, godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming day of, of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. John says these things are gonna pass away. Love not the world, nor the things of the world. Because these things are going to pass away. They're going to pass away. A new heaven, a new earth is going to be put in their place. Let's turn to James chapter 4. Solomon knew that life would end someday for him and everybody that lives under heaven. And this is something again that people need to think about. I'm now fifty plus years old. And if I'm thinking to some degree, that means I don't have a whole lot of life left. They say you're over the hill at 50. Well, that means you're going down on the other side. So 50, maybe hopefully that's the middle for a lot of us. Maybe 50's halfway through. That means I'm counting down. I'm going down the other side, 51, 52. Towards 100, hopefully, someday. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe the Lord will take me home and... Won't have to live that long, but nonetheless, I'm certainly past probably halfways in life. James chapter 4 describes life this way, and this is a wise way to describe life because this is how the Bible describes life. James chapter 4 and verse 13. The Bible says, Go to now, ye that say, Today and tomorrow we will go to such a city and continue there a year and Buy and sell and get gain, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeared for a little time and then vanished away. For we ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this and that. We're going to do this, that, or the other thing. We should say, if the Lord will. And so again, many Christians are used again as fresh and Lord willing because they look at life through the vantage point if God wills for me to live longer, if God wills for this to be done, how long might it live? Well, experience tells you again, you might live quite a long time. Depends on your hereditary things, what you do in life, what might happen to you in life. But yet the wisdom of God does tell us some things. Let's turn to Psalm chapter uh, 89. Psalm chapter 89, I, I could say, you know, I'm going to live to 100. Well, I don't have any idea. I could be... You know, who knows? Could be dead tomorrow, could be dead today. It doesn't, you know, I have no control over a lot of those things really in life. The length of my life, it's going to be according to hopefully God's word and God's way. And uh, you're prepared again to go into the next life is the most important thing that most people should consider in life. Psalm 89 here, verse number uh, 47, it says, remember how short my time is. Wherefore hast thou made men all in vain? I just like that thought there. Remember how short my time is, or time is short. How long might it be? Well, it seems like the Bible, again, here even in Psalm chapter 90, which I think is really neat, and I like to point out to people that maybe don't believe the Bible, it mentions here in Psalm 90 and verse number 9 or 10, or just want to know about the wisdom of God in the Bible. Psalm 90, verse number 1, it says, For our days are passed away with wrath. We spend our days as a, year, uh, as a tale that's told. The days of our years are threescore and ten, and if by reason of strength yet they be fourscore years, yet there is strength, labor, and sorrow. For it is soon cut off when we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply ourselves to wisdom. Verse 14, O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. God gives us days, God gives us years, but one day our life will pass away, just like the world will pass away. Again, the Bible describes, again, the days of a man's life as being like a hand breath. That's not very long, is it? A hand breath. Love not the world, neither the things of the world, John said, but rather be considering those that live and live on forever. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We can learn some things on both wisdom and experience from Solomon. We can learn things about wisdom and experience from John. We can learn things about wisdom and experience finally here, and I want to just consider here quickly here from the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse number 8. Paul learned from both experience and from the Lord and from God's word and from God's wisdom that true love never passes away. And he wrote of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and starting in verse number 8. Charity never faileth, but whether the prophecies they shall fail, whether there be tongues they shall cease, whether there be knowledge it shall pass away, for we know in part be prophesy in part, but that which is perfect is come, and that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, understood as a child, I thought as a child, when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now in part. But then shall I know, even as I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. Paul wrote, by divine wisdom, by God's wisdom, the charity never faileth. Now the things again mentioned here in this passage, this this small passage of scripture that mentioned some things about charity and we talked about those in verse number one and following. But you can learn from both God and from the scripture that charity or love never fails. Paul learned this. He learned this when the Lord came to him and spoke to him on the Damascus road and encouraged him about where he was going on in life. And he had at that point, was converted. He learned about the love of God through Jesus Christ, through his voice spoken to him. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8. But he also wrote about about the wisdom of God when it comes to love, the love of God. And uh, in Romans chapter 8 here, verse number 35 through verse number 37, actually verse number 39, uh, he wrote about the truth that real love never passes away, especially the love of God or the love of Christ. It's a perfect love. It's a powerful love. It's an eternal type of a love. For Romans chapter 8, verse number 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? It's all things that Paul experienced. Every one of them. Famine. Nakedness, peril, sword, he writes about those in different books there, as it is written for thy sake, we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep to the slaughter. nay, we are uh, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors to him that loved us, for we are persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor power, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul knew from experience that the love of God will never pass away. The love of God for his children will never pass away. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. He had experienced many things in life, which he mentions there, peril, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, all those kind of things. And he knew that God loved him and would always love him. Let's turn to Acts chapter 23. Did he experience these things or did he just write of these things? He both experienced these things when he got converted, but he also experienced these things in real life. Just want to look at a couple passages of scriptures and we'll be done here. Acts 23 and verse number 11. The night following, the Lord stood by me and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also. In Rome. After, I believe, a difficult day standing before the Sanhedrin, the Bible says in verse number 11, and that night found the Lord stood by Paul. The Lord stood by Paul. That's an amazing thing. And he said these things Be of good cheer, Paul, for thou hast testified me in Jerusalem, so also will thou bear witness of me in Rome. In difficulties, In tribulations, in distress, in persecutions, the Lord stood by Paul. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We see this same general expression in another passage of Scripture. And so I wanted to show you that. Again, this is dealing with Paul. Paul understood that God's love, Christ's love, the love of his Savior, the love of his Lord would never not be there for him. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I just point out a few verses here. Here we find Paul coming to the end of his life. In verse number 7, i fought a good fight, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. He's coming to the end of his life. And he says there in verse number 10, it says, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, it, is, it, is, it departed on the Thessalonica, and Cretans to Galatians, Titus to Damasia, only Luke is with me. Only Luke is with me. He writes to Timothy, Take Mark and bring him on to me, for he is profitable for me to ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus, the cloak that I kept in Troas, with carpus. When thou comest, bring that to me, and the books, but especially the parchment. Alexander the carpets, did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. And of, uh, of, of be aware also that he that greatly withstood our words, And at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me, me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear It was delivered out of the mouth of a lion." He goes on and says some other things there, but I just wanted you to see here again, verse number 17, the Lord stood with me. The Lord stood with me. The world is going to pass away, but God's love for His children will never fail them. His love abideth forever. The world's going to pass away, but the love of God's not going to pass away. Let's turn back to Proverbs here, and we'll close here. Proverbs chapter 4, And uh, verse number 11, Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 11. I want to read here, but I also want to read further here. As it again gives a good conclusion, I believe, to the message here today. I've taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in the right path. We can gain wisdom from both uh, wisdom and experience. When thou goest, thy steps shall be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction let her not go, keep her, for she is thy life, enter not in the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men, avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. So Solomon told him, hey, you don't need to go in the path of the wicked. Avoid it. And these are just words of wisdom from someone who both experienced it and had it. And so some thoughts on wisdom and experience. They teach us the world will never satisfy. The world will surely pass away one day, but the love of Christ abideth forever, and we shall abide forever. Let's close as we consider the word of God.